Welcome to the Strategic HR Show, the podcast series from FutureSolve, where we talk to senior business and HR leaders to share their advice on how to make better people decisions in the workplace and get the best out of their people. For show notes and free bonus resources, simply visit www.futuresolve.com forward slash podcast. And remember, if you'd like some help solving your strategic HR challenges, get in touch with us at FutureSolve. Whether it's developing your leaders and teams, hiring better people, creating a high performance culture, or something else, we'll help you boost the performance of your people and your business. Okay, let's get started. Welcome listeners to the Strategic HR Show, sponsored by FutureSolve. Today, I'm really excited to share that we have an awesome guest, Tatiana, joining us here. Tatiana has tons of experience with leadership coaching, but without further ado, I wanted to have Tatiana give us a little background and snapshot about her experience, what she's been doing in that area, and how she supports companies today. Thank you for having me on, Andy. As Andy mentioned, I'm Tatiana St. Germain. My company is Great People Management, and I have been in talent management and leadership development executive coaching business for 20 years. Hard to believe. Time flies. I've lost count at a thousand organizations worldwide that I've helped develop leaders and build better hiring strategies because I also use assessments for a variety of purposes, including hiring, onboarding, development, training, leadership development, and team development. And I love talking about leadership development. This seems to be a very, very hot topic, more so even than talent retention and hiring. I don't know if that's what you've been hearing, Andy. 100%. You know, leadership development, training of leaders, supporting leaders is a very big topic. We've had quite a few conversations around that through various people on the podcast as well. And it continues to be a very strong topic for 2023. Even Gartner has reports on that that shows that it's becoming a more important topic and it directly affects ROI, revenues, productivity. It makes or breaks a company. It's definitely big. So that brings us into, you know, leadership coaching. We hear a lot about leadership training, you know, helping leaders be better leaders, but Maybe you could give us a little bit about what is leadership coaching, how it really starts. How does a senior HR or business leader know that they may need coaching or identify that coaching is needed? And where can they, you know, start? Typically, an organization, whether it's a senior leader, executive, or HR professional, will have an inkling, have a measurement, have a very strong knowledge that they have a problem. It's like, okay, we have a problem, Houston. We need to identify what the problem is. What is our purpose? Let's say your organization is interested in identifying high potential leaders and you want to grow your leaders in the organization. These are the situations where companies will establish internal emerging leader programs where they will kind of pluck out, always evaluate the talent pool, do talent audits, understand what their bench strength is, and then put those high potential individuals through the programs. And typically in those situations, they will opt for leadership training programs. And those leadership training programs are different from leadership development or coaching programs because they focus on a preset list of modules 
that will train on hard skills and competencies. And there's lots of those out there. And then you take some other existing leaders that, let's say, you're interested in retaining. You want to ensure that you have the competitive advantage for the future, or maybe it's the bottom line that needs to be positively impacted because you're experiencing higher than normal turnover among leadership staff, your top leaders. So if that's an issue, what we find through studies is that leaders, just like a regular employee, will stay with the company when they see themselves with the company long-term. So creating career paths and also valuing and appreciating the leader for their contributions. And each leader wants to grow. If a leader is fully engaged in success, in winning, they are green and growing and they need opportunities for development. You're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. So if you're ripe and rotting, that's fixed mindset leader. You probably don't need those in your company, or maybe there's some restructuring in order and they need to be a doer, not a leader. Because I'm telling you, when we talk about leaders of the future, it's not going to cut it. The growth mentality is what you want to foster and develop. So look for those growth-minded leaders in your company and give them opportunities to develop and grow. The next question is, okay, that's easier said than done. Where do I start? Oh, I want to give development. What do I go and ask them? What do you need development on? Most of them don't know. And you're familiar with these tools. We want to evaluate where the leader is now. This is where we employ 360s. The 360 evaluations are really hot topic too, and there's many of them out there. Not all of them are created equal. That's all I'm going to say. But leaders don't know what they don't know. They need to see, get a perspective, a measurement to see how they show up because we're all ships in our own bottles. We tell ourselves our little stories how you see yourself may be different, how you actually show up to your direct reports, to your peers, your cross-functional teams, external customers and vendors. So that's where we start typically. It's my recommendation. You got to know what your point of departure is. And that will evaluate the gaps. And according to what each individual leader needs, that's where you go. Send them to a workshop, send them to a training, or find a mentor, internal mentor or assign a performance coach, or go out and find people like me, executive coaches, leadership coaches, who will work one-on-one with a leader to develop the behaviors and habits that they need. That is an amazing answer, Tatiana. And I fully agree with you. I mean, you know, there's obviously personality assessments to know what you're strong in when you're not. But when it comes to 360s, it's a great way to actually get a holistic view of a person from different angles. And a lot of times it might highlight things that even the executive did not know, right? Because they're oblivious to how they're operating with all different types of people, whether it's a customer or a team member or a manager or any of those aspects. So what you're saying basically would be ideal to start with a 360 to find the gaps, which gives you a really good indication of where to focus and then take an action from there to focus on that. I do believe in 360s. and I think they're very powerful. Do you find companies today mostly do 360s or a lot of them lack the 360s when it comes to understanding their leaders? Because I feel like a lot of them are maybe afraid of the feedback. 
That's an excellent point because when you measure something, the expectation is you got to do something about it. This is why companies, even though they say they want to measure it, then they drag their feet, they don't measure it. And that's usually for that reason. They're afraid they will have to do something about it. They will be self-accountable and accountable to their board of directors and investors and their organization, frankly, to do something about it. It's similar to collecting feedback from employees, like when you have a feedback box or employee engagement survey. So you go through the process, but then you don't do anything about the feedback. People it literally can destroy the culture. Yeah. And so people know that. Leaders know that. And yeah, they might shy away from 360s for that reason. But more often than not, I deal with situations that are called 360 PTSD. It's because in the past, maybe with this organization, a prior organization, leaders implemented 360s that were not confidential, not anonymous. They were not online. A person was involved, so individual biases were introduced. It turned into a witch hunt. It's just a variety of things. As I said, all 360s are not created equal. Sometimes companies develop something internally and that backfires too because there's lack of trust and you're really not getting the information you need. So I do some education around that with leaders too. So they're more at ease. And typically once you explain what's the process, what's the do's and don'ts, so to speak, I'm going to have a 360 information session on May 9th where I'm going to be talking exactly about that, how to select the 360, the do's and don'ts, kind of like a scorecard, because as you pointed out, it's a very hot topic. So what I'm hearing is, first off, is you need to have the intention of doing 360s. Second is there should be a commitment of if we do a 360, we do something about it, because doing a 360 and not taking action is one way. And it could be as a starting point is to just start addressing or doing action on the things that are covered in 360 before we even know what kind of coaching or which coach, just find out what 360 is uncovering and prioritize those. And then I think naturally they'll move into coaching or areas that they need coaching in or how far off are they to where they will ultimately be successful. And that will, I think, trigger those pieces. So if you wanted to leave a piece of advice to our listeners on, you know, leadership coaching specifically, what would that be? So if they're, you know, looking for a coach or finding the ideal coach, what kind of advice would you give them on things that would really help them consider an ideal executive coach? The first step, as we already pointed out, as is the case with everything, know what you're trying to accomplish your purpose, whether you use the 360 or not to kind of give you a starting point, know what you want to accomplish, because that's going to educate you or direct you as to which one you need. Do you need a mentor or do you need a coach? Actually, a local chamber asked me to speak to small businesses regarding that because there's a lot of confusion around the terminology. What's a coach? What's a performance coach? A trainer? Is there a difference between executive and leadership coaches? How about professional coaches who have a bunch of letters with certifications after their name? They must be great. So I felt compelled to kind of demystify that yeah. and categorize this a little bit. 
and real quickly, the difference between mentor and the coach, a mentor is somebody who is in the industry, who walked the path that you as a leader want to walk. So they essentially tell you that I did this, you do the same, and that's how you learn. So that's a mentor, but you want to make sure that that individual, especially if it's an internal mentor and internal coach, that they show interest in your development. They're going to keep feedback confidential, honor confidentiality, show respect, that they're also not going to beat around the bush, that they're going to be able to provide direct feedback because it's a different layer of complexity can become awkward because you're working together and now they're your mentor. But I have worked with companies that very successfully implemented those internal mentorship positions because it elevates and gives experience to up-and-coming leaders, executives, when they mentor, when they become mentors themselves, and it helps the mentees to kind of work through the process. So those would be some of the considerations in choosing a mentor. Do they observe me in these leadership situations? Do they have effective skills in the area that I need to develop? Do they have the time to work with me? Then when we're talking about outside help, there's two sets of questions each leader has to ask. One is for themselves and one for the coach. I always recommend doing what I call a chemistry call, interview multiple coaches. Because not everybody's everybody's cup of tea. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Maybe we have a chemistry call and they find me annoying because I'm too direct or I'm this and that. Or maybe they want to meet on weekends. I don't work on weekends. There's some basic things that you can work through. So some of those questions would revolve around the questions that you ask a coach during the interview. How do you work? What is your coaching philosophy? I, as a leader, get the most out of your coaching program. You know, probing questions. Of course, you could ask about the best coaching client you've had, what results or what transformation was achieved. You were shopping, basically. You're invested as a leader, even though the company's paying for the coaching, but you want to be in the mindset that if the company didn't pay for this, I am so committed to this that I want to pay for it myself. I would have paid. So you go shopping and you really be serious interviewing people. This is not a check mark. Then candidly share about what's best for you. How do you want to meet? Morning, night, virtual, in person, whatever. How will you hold me accountable as a coach? You know, obviously, what's your definition of success? That goes without saying you have to know your purpose. But then before this interview with the coach, each leader needs to sit down, have a little me time, and think about what do I want to accomplish? Am I prepared to do the work? Because, you know, you can take the proverbial horse and lead it to the water. Can't make a drink. That's true. I know that as a coach. I don't perform miracles. I'll be the first one to say, you have to do the work. So are you prepared to do the work? Again, be clear about the results that you want for yourself. The first question I ask in my chemistry calls with potential coaches is, what do you want? Question mark. I don't even extrapolate. It's interesting to see where they go. They go into professional, they go to personal, but we don't often stop, pause, give ourselves time to really answer that question. What do I want as a leader? To be happy, to have work-life balance, to be less stressed out, to achieve better relationship with my boss. I don't know. There's all sorts of things. So that will give you clarity about the results that you want. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that it's both 
personal and business because coaching is a holistic view and impact, it sounds like, because you can't be an effective leader if home or personal life is not in balance. And similarly, you can't be an effective leader if work balance and the balance there and how you're operating is not there. So it looks like you're going to, you know, definitely dive into all of the areas that are affecting that leader and how they show up and, and help them address that, which is important because it's not just about work. It sounds like it's really about the holistic view of that leader. That's exactly right. If a leader looks at coaching as a training, well, you tell me what to do, developing skills, I might direct them to a training program. Yeah. There's no lack of content information out there to develop hard skills. I am more interested in why, knowing that you need to develop the skill, why haven't you? Yeah. It's yeah. mindset coaching. It's inside out work. And leaders are not robots. They're human beings. So there's something on the inside of them, some kind of barrier, limiting beliefs that prevents them from taking the step or developing a new habit, transforming themselves and their behavior. Because some of the advice you hear or when you read a motivational book, it's like, well, that again, it sounds nice, but and it's great for them. And then you feel guilty. Well, they did it. How come I didn't do it? I must be stupid. Something's wrong with me. We put so much pressure on ourselves when we compare ourselves to our worst self to their best self. That's just not fair. So I really focus on redirecting the leadership mindset back to who you are, what you already know, and let's take what you already know that's within you and make it work for you. And then we can look at other information out there. Yeah, I love that. And then everybody has the two sides to you know, the strengths and the weaknesses. And sometimes we take the weaknesses and really make it something we're competing against or trying to run away from. But the true fact is, let's find the core middle that's really working and empower that to always show up because we're not always going to be 100% where we are. And we're not going to be on the other side, which is the complete side that we're running away from it. So that's really deep, Tatiana. And the one thing I want to mention is, you know, we talked about how we find a coach, how we work on chemistry and all that. But I wanted to share with my listeners a little bit about what the ultimate leader could look like, because we were talking about this right now. So what are things that you're seeing like the future leader requires? What are some things that they usually get if they work and do the work with coaching? How do they show up? And how does that affect the world of work and where we're going. Because I feel like we always like to see where we are now, but I want to also have the listeners know where we're going on leadership and how does that future leader show up in the world? When I have my first conversation with a leader, first question they ask, so how do I compare to all these other leaders? Tell me what's wrong with me, in other words. Is there an ideal leader profile? My answer to that is always, no, because you are in a different industry than other people. You are your own person. Everybody's unique. And the work that we'll be doing is really finding an authentic way, an authentic path to leadership greatness. Everybody has their own path to greatness. But that's the work of one-on-one -on -one coaching. Because you're asking this question, it's kind of more global, kind of in terms of trends. Yeah. What I would say... It's just on my 
coaching experience, all the issues that we work through with leaders in coaching sessions boils down to communication. So the way that I see the successful leaders of the future is that they are supreme communicators. Because if you think about it, communication is the only way to influence and motivate people. And that's the number one goal if you want to be a leader. If you're a leader, you turn around and nobody's following you. You're just taking a walk. That is true. So you need to be actually leading people in order to do that. You need to communicate so you can motivate and influence. Because in the last three years, if nothing else, we discovered that no amount of money or benefits or whatever else you throw at people is going to entice them to stay and consistently perform better and be productive. Yeah. What we find is the more you hire and promote them for the wrong reasons, the quicker you deteriorate company culture, undermine mm-hmm. trust and lose your competitive advantage. So that's what I think, going back to the very first thing you said about leadership and why leadership development is such a hot topic, I think companies are realizing that's what is going to keep our competitive advantage. Yeah, We must invest in that. And the communication is also authentic. It has a purpose behind it. So it's basically the way to show up is through communication, but there's all those other factors that I feel that people choose to work for a company or not based on, right? And if you can communicate the right things to the people and make them buy into it, then people will follow. And that's becoming big from what we hear as well is, you know, it's definitely an area where making sure that the company is showing up authentically and then the leaders are showing up authentically next to reflect the company. In fact, I'm doing communication workshop for one of the chapters. That's what they chose. Like we're all small business owners or leaders at mid-sized companies. We want to learn to communicate better because that's how we influence and motivate people. How do we make people care? And there's many components. Like you said, there's how do you hold people accountable? How do you communicate through change? How do you come through authentically? So yeah, authenticity, if we were to kind of tick off the list of things that I see, what they need, yes, communication, authenticity, that's a big one. Also, something that I've been playing around, so preliminary term we use, vulnerability with boundaries. Something one of my colleagues and I discussed, because we feel, it's our intuition that we're experiencing an evolution of leaders. And what we're finding, examining followers and leaders, is that people will not follow the meek and the weak. When you study leaders and followers, we find that people will still rather follow somebody who's tough, who can make decisions, decision makers, rather than someone who is really nice, very empathetic and non-threatening and cannot make decisions. That's true. So it's an interesting concept that's sort of like a bridge between that vulnerability that we've heard about for the last, I don't know, 10 years. So leaders need to be vulnerable. Leaders need to be authentic. Yeah, let's put some boundaries in this because let's look at the reality of the situation. We went through COVID. How did it work out when super nice people fell to pieces and they needed to innovate and they needed to show courage and they needed to make decisions? In a complete vacuum of information where you couldn't predict anything. The only thing you could predict is that things might change tomorrow. So there's a level of courageousness, I guess, if that's a word. Well, resilient uh, is a big area as well. Like you need to prove that you're resilient and make decisions and move fast and 
be able to stand up on your feet, even when you're headstrong by COVID or any other situation that's happening in the industry. And that's the vulnerability piece. I think it does include authenticity, but it also includes a leader to stand up and fess up to their mistake. Okay, I made a mistake. This is what we're doing about it. So that's the vulnerability. People want that level of transparency. And people like vulnerable people that are open and share knowledge. And I do see that. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I would say from leadership development programs perspective, in the last two, even three decades, maybe longer, I feel like there's been a lot of trial and error, a lot of theoretical examinations and pontification on the topic of leadership development or what a leader is. There's so many leadership philosophies that emerged in different books. You saw a pendulum swing from whatever leadership to servant leadership, not to put down any of those ideas, but it's like, it's either that or that. And people proudly displayed what they subscribed to and kind of rigidly went with that. Now, with this information age and technology age, leaders are more sophisticated. That's my sense. And even leadership development programs are more focused on practical applications. How can you take all those ideas and philosophies and concepts and create an opportunity for the leader to develop a new habit, create lasting behavioral transformations as we develop leaders? And leaders themselves are doing this. And so even the 12-month training programs have evolved to include some modules from different places And then they also incorporate workshops. Okay, pick the topics, the modules that are important to you, and let's workshop through it. I think there's a lot more focus on practical application of all these great concepts. And leaders are themselves, just in the last 12 months, I had three leaders reach out to me for either leadership development or coaching or both. Not because their company, is paying for it, but they themselves wanted to invest. I just had a conversation two days ago with a young leader who said, my company's not paying for it. I'm going to be paying. I'm developing. I'm investing in myself. That takes guts. This is just like a new caliber of leader. We're finding these self-driven, self-reflective individuals who are fully committed to their own growth because they want to make a world a better place by ensuring that people love to come to work, by living the core values or whatever. Yeah. And actually investing in yourself is one of the most important investments that you'll ever make. And so when we're uh, aware of that, I mean, that makes a big impact. Well, Tatiana, I know we could probably talk about this for many days because, you know, leadership is huge, huge area and it has so many things underneath it. But I wanted to let my listeners know if they want to get a hold of you and really pick your brain on some of these areas and topics and see if they have other things that you can answer for them, what should they do next? The best place to learn where I'm going to show up and speak at next is probably to go to my website, greatpeoplemanagement.com and click events. From there, you could also schedule a one-on-one meeting with me. There's multiple ways, multiple buttons in different places you can schedule a meeting. And another good place is LinkedIn. Follow people management and connect with me on LinkedIn. And my calendar is also in my contact information on LinkedIn. So I'm very open and available. Just get on my calendar and 
I'm happy to chat. Sounds like you're making yourself vulnerable to everybody as well. <laughs> with boundaries, with boundaries. With I monitor boundaries. my calendar. <laughs> don't work on weekends. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tatiana, thank you so much for taking time and thank you for being on my podcast. And it's always a pleasure really connecting with you. And you are definitely somebody that's committed to what you do and you do it with passion. So I wanted to thank you for being here. Thank you for being on my podcast. And thank you for sharing this awesome topic with my listeners and keep in touch. And we look forward to hearing more. Always good to see you, Andy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today on the Strategic HR Show, the podcast series from FutureSolve, where we talk to senior business and HR leaders to share their advice on how to make better people decisions in the workplace and get the best out of their people. For show notes and free bonus resources, simply visit www.futuresolve.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to make better people decisions in their business. And remember, if you'd like some help solving your HR challenges, get in touch with us at FutureSolve. Whether it's developing your leaders and teams, hiring better people, creating a high-performance culture, or something else, we'll help you boost the performance of your people and your business. Thanks, and see you soon.